The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guests today are Mike Leahy, Secretary of Information Technology and Maryland Chief Information Officer, and John Evans, Maryland State Chief Information Security Officer. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED edition, our state and local show. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so Thank much. You very much. Michael, I'm going to begin with you. Maryland was one of just seven states that the National Governors Association, NGA, has competitively selected to partner with in developing action plans for strategies to enhance statewide cybersecurity efforts. Why don't you tell us about the NGA program, how you learned about it, and why Maryland decided to participate? Well, thank you, John. Um, We have taken cybersecurity very seriously, as you're probably aware, The governor issued an executive order very recently elevating John Evans from merely being the CISO for the Department of Information Technology to the CISO statewide. And we have had numerous discussions with our sister agencies and other parts of the government about coordinating our efforts and improving our approach to cyber and to defending the assets of the state, both in terms of data and the physical assets. So we have uh, had ongoing conversations with folks from the NGA. And when this particular program arose, it was very consistent with the overview we've taken. We made a specific proposal and luckily for us, they determined that our proposal was in line with their broader uh, desire to make this topic available to the other states. And uh, we had some discussions about how we intended to implement the study that we're going to undertake, and we're going to start moving forward. I I would ask, John, why don't you add your insight, and let's go from there. Yeah, uh, thank you, Mike. So, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I agree with everything that that you just said. Uh, I think I'll add on to that maybe um, a a little bit more of of why the NGA program was so attractive to us. Um, We operate in in a federated model right now, and that can make uh, things like transparency and consistency uh, a little bit challenging at times. Now, thankfully, the governor understands, I think, the need for cybersecurity and consistency uh, in in its operations and application. Uh, And that's part of why the executive order came out was was released, making the first uh, ever state chief information security officer for the state. So that was, I think, a big step forward into helping us get there. But now there was the issue that we had to tackle of what is that guidance going to look like that we put out. So we did put out our Maryland uh, information security manual, which goes through kind of the enterprise, the environment of, uh, of, of policy that has to be followed within the state. Well, but, you're being uh, a little uh, coy there, John. It actually lays out a lot of practical uh, implementation information, too. You're exactly right, Mike. That's a great point. There's a lot of good detail in there, I think, I uh, also, but really wanted assistance from NGA to provide input on how effective they think these standards are. You know, did we go with the uh, right standards in, in, in all cases? Sort of, sort of having that, that independent validation and verification of uh, what we did is always a good thing. We really appreciate, you know, uh, collaboration and constructive criticism whenever it comes across. We think we did a good job, but having a... a you know, another set of eyes on it is going to be nothing except for beneficial. 
And also we wanted to get, I believe, some assistance from people who have had you know, maybe similar environments or can look across the entire nation landscape about uh, what does kind of the the outreach look like to the different agencies and uh, maybe some some assessment campaigns of what the different agencies are doing to be in alignment with the new security manual. So the development and, and refinement of the outreach campaign and of those assessments, I think, is another area where, where we saw that this program could uh, help us also. You know, totally. looking at uh, Maryland's proposed plan, I guess I would assume that you'll include many more state en- entities than just your IT shop, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Our purview right now, I believe, is is sort of the executive branch of Maryland government. So we're looking to have this implemented um, everywhere where we have some purview or some authority to, to uh, try to implement it and then suggesting it to be implemented in those areas where we do not. Would that would that be accurate, Mike? Well, the, the simple answer is uh, by statute, we are responsible for establishing the policies and the standards that folks must meet for their cybersecurity responsibilities as well as their IT responsibilities. And it is our hope that uh, by standardizing our approach, we will, first of all, as John said, make it clearer to folks how to address the concerns that we believe are in the forefront, and secondly, lower the cost. But to the extent agencies uh, want to go their own way, as long as they are meeting the standards that are set in the policy, um, we're uh, happy to have that, you know, experimentation and see if there are better ways to approach it. But I suspect over time you will see a standardization across the executive department uh, with John as the state CISO responsible for the implementation and do it uh, backing him up with the infrastructure and the software side. I would assume that the the strategies that are going to be developed under this NGA program by Maryland uh, to advance the key priorities in cybersecurity will involve a statewide an intergovernmental approach with local government uh, entities. How are you planning to engage the locals? Absolutely. The simple answer is we, we've already started talking to them, and I'll let John speak a bit more about the interactions he's had. But a large piece of what we're looking at is that uh, typically the local jurisdictions, the counties and the municipalities, in a number of cases, don't have the resources to address these issues themselves. And so we are looking at not only providing a roadmap for these folks and uh, setting of our best practices, but potentially looking at ways to incorporate their participation into our system so that Ultimately, there would be the opportunity to have uh, the state provide blanket cybersecurity baseline for everyone. John, do you want to say something? Oh, I was just going to support Mike saying um, that's absolutely true. We're looking at uh, bringing – we've been in in discussions with some of the locals um, about coming into our security operations center to help them with vulnerability management, maybe even offer that as a managed service for them. Uh, with configuration of some of their security incident and event management tools. Um, so those, those discussions are ongoing and are full steam ahead. It would be really powerful, especially to be able to include them into our security operations center. We'd be able to see event correlation, uh, not just among things within the executive branch, but things that are happening out um, in the local jurisdictions across the state. So we see a lot of good upside, both for them and for the uh, state with those, with those integrations. 
You know, Absolutely. And, and John, you know, one of the primary issues here is that although we're talking about risk management with cybersecurity, you, you can't prevent uh, folks from being innovative and figuring out new ways into your system. But you want to make it very difficult, obviously, and you want to be able to respond in such a way that if any of the folks you are sharing information with are potentially subject to an attack that you've discovered, you, you want to inoculate them sooner rather than later. So it's not just about having standards in the same systems available. It's about the communication intergovernmentally and with our private sector partners also. This announcement comes just a, a month or so after NGA announced that it also set up a, a competitively selected strategy to improve cybersecurity operations around elections. That's a concern for Maryland, I'm sure, as well, isn't it? Every state uh, should be concerned about making certain that our election processes have the integrity we expect. So certainly, we do not have direct control over the interactions uh, to protect the elections that the Board of Elections takes. It's a separate body in Maryland, but we certainly do collaborate with them regularly and uh, attempt to give them insights into what we think uh, is reasonable to do and, and answer any questions they have. John, anything to add? No, I think you're spot on, Mike. Um, we've shared um, the security guidance that, that Mike and I were referencing earlier uh, with the Board of Elections here. Um, uh, everything seems to be moving in a very collaborative fashion to make sure that uh, that they're as secure as they as as they can be. We went we worked with our National Guard um, to go through an assessment of the election systems uh, about a year ago. Yeah, we're we are taking it very very seriously. I definitely agree with everything Mike said. Everyone should be. Yeah, I'm quite impressed in speaking with uh, some of your colleagues around the country about the role that the National Guard is playing in cybersecurity issues. It's really uh, it's really it's not your grandfather's uh, National Guard, is it? Well, it really isn't. And um, one of the most interesting parts is. Um, although all guard units are participating in this way, we are incredibly blessed in Maryland because our guard is a cyber unit. You know, they're on the front lines with folks in NATO, particularly in Estonia, establishing uh, defensive posture there. And so that brings a wealth of information home to us that uh, we have uh, talked to them regularly about implementing. We're going to take a short break now. Our guests today are Mike Leahy, Maryland Chief Information Officer and Secretary of Information Technology, and John Evans, State Chief Information Security Officer. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. We already knew plastic pollution is causing problems ranging from unsightly litter to the killing of marine life. But Sarah Jean Royer, an oceanographer at the University of Hawaii, says her research shows the problem extends into the air. Even the plastic that we use every day, our phones, computers, anything that is exposed to sunlight will be producing greenhouse gases. Royer says the type that most readily degrades into climate warming gases is the lightweight plastic commonly used in single-use throwaways that too often find their way into the environment. How much greenhouse gas is being released from plastic isn't yet known. But given the rate at which plastic is being produced, eventually it might uh, contribute significantly uh, to climate change if it doesn't uh, yet. So Royer says we need to consider re-engineering waste management, cleanup, even the plastic materials themselves, and soon. 
With the National Academy of Engineering, Randy Atkins, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The FBI's efforts to address the opioid epidemic are resulting in a dramatic increase in the convictions of medical professionals and pharmacies who are contributing to prescription opioid overdose deaths and addiction among their patients. Healthcare Fraud Unit Chief Stephen Blom says he sees investigations involving medical providers who are writing prescriptions in exchange for sex, cash, and favors. We're looking at the most egregious instances of providers who have essentially become drug dealers themselves. They are literally selling prescriptions with no regard to medical necessity or value. Since the inception of the Prescription Drug Initiative in 2016, which includes prescription pill diversion cases, convictions increased from about 20 to an expected 116 this fiscal year. Learn more about the FBI's multifaceted approach to combating the opioid epidemic at FBI.gov. With FBI This Week, I'm Molly Halpern of the Bureau. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guests today are Mike Leahy, Maryland's Chief Information Officer and Secretary of Information Technology, and John Evans, the State Chief Information Security Officer. Before we went on the break, we were talking about the work that's being done around elections, election security, and I want to move on to something else. The NGA is also sponsoring workshops to enhance state cybersecurity beginning this month and running through the end of the year. What do you know about this program? Will Maryland be participating in these workshops? So there's the workshops or the or the program to uh, enhance state state election security. There were seven states that were selected for that. We were not one of the ones that was selected for that engagement. Um, there's also the workshops around policy, which we were one of the seven states selected around that engagement. And then there's a broader uh, topic of discussion sort of, uh, I, I believe, around kind of best practices of what's happening in the states uh, that we haven't been very involved in to date, but uh, there's, there's interest in getting involved in that. Um, I think because we just won the policy workshop, uh, we've been a little bit more focused on getting prepared for, for that engagement. Uh, that's not to say that we don't want to be involved in the other. Definitely see, see a lot of value, um, but we've been in more of a, of a receive mode, I would say, in that respect, kind of understanding what other people are doing as they prepare for those workshops, but not as involved our, our, our ourselves just because we've been really trying to focus on making sure that, that we are prepared for the, the policy workshop uh, the one that we just won the ability to participate in. Right. But again, you're being kind of humble, John. And I know <laughs> you have spoken to your counterparts across the country about uh, their participation in this and how we can coordinate some efforts. So although, as you said, we've just been receiving information, I know uh, you've been talking to folks about how we can also contribute to that flow of information. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true, Mike. So not maybe not in as formal of a forum as the actual workshop, but certainly those discussions have been, been going on. I'll say, and I, I believe it exists, Mike would have to talk about this, I believe it exists in the, in the state CIO community also, but the state CISO community, it's a very open community where we all uh, talk and collaborate and get together. I mean, we, we were just in San Antonio a few weeks ago um, talking about uh, re- really sharing ideas and um, uh, that, that was part of the NASIO leadership co- conference, but really 
talking through what everybody's doing. And it was really great participation from everyone involved. Uh, the level of, of interest and questions and uh, really everyone just trying to borrow sort of the best of breed things that every state is doing. Um, it's actually a really good community, I, w- I would say. Nasio has uh, you know, been in the forefront of CIO CISO discussions. And part of the beauty of our leadership meetings is we do have a concurrent meeting of the state CISOs. And although we are in separate discussions during the day, um, you know, we all eat our meals together and uh, we all spend our evenings together. So there's a lot of collaboration going on, both uh, in the two organizational groups and uh, amongst the various states. Yeah, that's a great new program within NASIO, having the collaboration between the CIOs and the CISOs like that. We didn't have that when I was uh, NASIO president, but it's it's a great organization and, and it's getting it's even getting better. Uh, let's go back to the uh, program that you were selected for. I want to talk about the uh, how the, the NGA program will be integrated into your current cybersecurity efforts. But first of all, are there NGA folks actually participate directly with your team? How does that actually work? We haven't had anyone come on site or anything yet, although they are they are more than welcome to. But there is definite engagement over uh, email, phone calls, those sorts of things with our NGA counterparts. Uh, in terms of how it's going to integrate into the the existing work, as I mentioned, we we just rolled out the IT security manual for the state. So that work was was happening regardless of whether or not we had won the the NGA uh, grant or the ability to participate in this in this workshop. Uh, things like the assessments of the agencies to figure out how well they're able to comply with the with the manual and providing outreach to help them get to a better place of compliance with the manual. Those types of things were already uh, envisioned to be part of of the state cybersecurity plan. This NGA program just happened to come along kind of at at a very opportune time for us. It, it dovetailed in really nicely with the types of things that we were talking about doing anyways. And instead of the NGA program, I, I, I'm not sure how other states are, are are using it, but it seems that there could have been the opportunity to use it more to help develop these types of plans. In our case, we have a, I'll say, a draft of what these plans need to look like, and we feel pretty good about it. But uh, having uh, another set of eyes, another validation point that what we're doing is the right way to go about it, or that what we're doing is going to produce the best results from people who may have been there and and had some of these types of experiences in the past or or may maybe have some lessons learned from other states that have been through something similar, I think that's kind of the the integration point between the NGA workshop and what we are and what we've been planning to do with within the state already. It was perfect timing, I would say, for us. So this plan that you're working on now then, uh, and we'll take uh, input from NGA, would this become the project deliverable afterwards? Uh, yeah, so I think that the refined policy manual uh, outreach plans and assessment plans, I think would be the the desired deliverable coming out of this. Right. And, and the other piece I would add to that is, as Mr. Evans has said, what we're really looking at is an iterative process so that we are continually improving. And so I suspect one of the deliverables will be what sorts of benchmarks we believe further those conversations in a constructive way and how one determines uh, where to focus their efforts initially simply because uh, there's more bang for the buck in certain kinds of policy methodologies 
and you know you you, uh, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So uh, determining how those priorities shift over time because of the changes in cyber awareness and potential cyber attacks, I think will have a great value that this could be distributed amongst the 50 states. Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering how your efforts, how your plan would be disseminated after it's completed. Uh, Might we learn more about it at an upcoming NASIO conference, perhaps? Uh, We have not spoken to them specifically uh, about incorporating that into a program, but uh, yes, it's something I'd like to pursue. These uh, NGA efforts, they've come right on the heels of uh, a new NASIO-endorsed U.S. Senate Bill 1846. Uh, That's the State and Local Government Cybersecurity Act of 2019. As you know, this legislation provides for engagements with states with uh, additional federal grant opportunities for states to safeguard against cyber threats. I'm sure this is welcome news, too. Oh, absolutely. The the principal difficulty is that all states and the federal government also are dealing with limited resources, but unlimited uh, potential threats. And so by coordinating those efforts and looking at best practices in a way that uh, we can fundamentally shift some of the burden uh, and have assistance from the federal government, I'm sure Uh, Most states like Maryland are very interested in uh, building that partnership uh, to a a stronger level. Is there anything else about this new NGA grant that you'd like us to know more about? John? I think we've really covered most of what we are uh, hoping to get out of it. Like I said, we are really excited to, to continue the ball rolling on this because we think that it dovetails in perfectly with the uh, direction and and strategy for the cybersecurity office that we had had established within the state of Maryland. And when this came along, it was kind of a no-brainer, I'll I'll say, that we should try to get involved with this. So we are very grateful that that we got picked and really looking forward to to continue to move the ball forward and make progress on those key areas that we are hoping to learn more about through the process. Mike, I'll give you the last word. And the only thing I would add to that is, as you know, we're extraordinarily proud uh, of our governor, Larry Hogan, who was uh, just elected the chair of the NGA for this coming year. And his focus is on the improvement and protection of infrastructure, which uh, is not only you know the roads and water plants and sewers, but also our digital infrastructure. And I think uh, because of his leadership in that area, uh, we are going to become more proactive And this NGA opportunity is just one of many that I think we'll be seeing his ideas uh, discussed and hopefully put into practice elsewhere. With that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Mike Leahy, Maryland's Chief Information Officer and Secretary of Information Technology, and John Evans, State Chief Information Security Officer. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.